Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Today on the Strata Leadership Show, we have someone that I think very highly of. His name is Mark Helm, and he leads a company that is based in Oklahoma City, but it really impacts uh, places all over. But it, the company is called Delisi, and I'm looking forward to our conversation because they, they have a little over a thousand employees and they have a lot of locations and they've been around a long, long time. And so I say a long, long time. In, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a, a young state. It was founded back in 1906. And so you don't see a lot of companies that have been around 100 plus years. And Delisi is one of those. But Mark is someone who I keep turning around in Mark is involved in great things that impact the community and make people's lives better. And so Mark, thank you for being a part of the Strata Leadership Show. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. So most people probably have something in their home or their business in, in our region for sure that is connected to Delisi, but they wouldn't know it. Can you tell us a little bit about your company? Sure. We, uh, as you said, we're we're an old time company. We started officially. We used the year 1902. That's when the first stock was distributed for Delisi. So we've been around a long time. Uh, the company actually started in the Chicago area, uh, mining stone for the railroads, and they followed the railroads as they were expanding west. Had locations in many different states, but over time, really consolidated into the Oklahoma area. Um, with quarries and then in the 20s went into the ready mix business and the sand business uh, and then expanded a little bit into some other minor businesses, uh, some retail products for finishers, contractors, that type of thing. And we're obviously in the trucking business because we truck a lot of material as well. As you said, just over a thousand employees. We have about 60 locations spread out across Oklahoma. Uh, all of our locations, well, except for one recently, all of our locations are in Oklahoma. We recently purchased a yard, rail distribution yard in the Fort Worth area, and we're shipping materials into uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. So uh, most of our locations are in Oklahoma, but we kind of spill into Texas and into Kansas as well. So we've been around a long time. Um, you know, we're, we're a basic business. We crush stone. We... Uh, mine sand as well and we mix that in concrete and we also sell it to a lot of customers for other concrete for asphalt for many different purposes uh, we grind some materials fine that goes into shingles and into different mineral filler products um, we like to say that nothing in the built environment starts with out something that we make I did a video here not too long ago in the middle of the new scissor tail park in downtown Oklahoma City and it's a great spot. It was a video update for our employees. It's a great spot because when you stand in the middle of that park and you look north, you see the, De the Devon Tower, you see uh, the BOK Tower, uh, you move around, you get to the Chesapeake Arena, then you get to the new Omni Hotel that's uh, recently being finished up, and then the new big convention center. And you wouldn't know it, but all of those products or all of those construction projects have our products in it, stone, sand, concrete and blah. So nothing starts without what we do. And, and we're trying to get that message to all of our employees. 
Now, for those who are not from Oklahoma, the description he just provided is a an amazing laundry list of all-star uh, facilities and landmarks. The Devon Tower is the, the largest building in, in Oklahoma, if not the, the region. And then what he's describing really is the heart of the city, which in many ways is the heart of the state. I also noticed that your company was deeply involved in Route 66. Yes, you know, again, being started in 1902, a lot of what made our success was the highway program that went on in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, And so Route 66 was one of those. Many other major highways, you know, our products go into the concrete and asphalt on roads all over the state. Critical part of what we do, we do concrete on lots of bridges and miscellaneous products around all those highways. So yeah, if you if you drive on a highway or a street or you walk on a sidewalk or not every driveway, we'd like to think a lot of them, not every driveway in Oklahoma, uh, but a lot of them have our product in it. So now you're the, the CEO, uh, president at Delisi, and, and you look back over the lifespan of your career. When you think about the people who have impacted your life, one of the goals of our show is to really learn more about the people that are making a difference as well as their organizations. But if I can go back into your life and you think about the the people who have been, those who impacted you to help you think about being a leader, can you think of people who, or maybe even an individual who was that kind of person in your life? Yeah, there were, there were many actually, but there's two that come to mind and I'll kind of put them together. They kind of crossed over off and on early in my career. Um, both of them took a real interest. So I was in my twenties, early thirties, and both of them took a real interest in me for whatever reason. And they would coach me. I remember one of them sitting down or sitting me down in a conference room once with a whiteboard and spending about three hours going through financial analysis and capital budgeting. One of them, while I was doing my MBA at night, would come and see how I'm doing and ask me what class I was taking. And it just so happened there'd be a project somewhere in the company, and I was working for a large international company at that time, uh, that he would be able to get me on a committee to be involved in that, which related to the class that I happened to be taking. You know, both those guys, just for whatever reason, they were mentors and I never asked them. They never said they were, uh, but they took a real interest and really helped me. And I owe much of my career and where I am today because of those two guys early on. And, and then there's been many others along the way. So tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Minnesota, Minnesota born and raised, uh, a northern suburb of Minneapolis. Had a good childhood. My mom was uh, a cook, ended up being the head cook at the high school that I went to. My dad was a a carpenter in commercial construction all around Minneapolis. You know, a large city, lots of opportunity. Also, when I was young, my parents bought a piece of property on a lake in northern Minnesota. So as much as growing up in the big city, I also spent most all of my weekends and holidays on this lakeshore property in northern Minnesota, hunting, fishing, uh, just playing out in the woods or 
working whenever my dad would make me cut down trees with him or whatever it might be. So it was a good childhood, plenty of challenges along the way, though I learned a lot of things when I was young. So for those of us who have not spent a lot of time in Minnesota, I've been uh, up there uh, a few times and, and enjoyed the time there. What, what is one thing that you would tell people who have not spent a lot of time in Minnesota uh, about life there? What, what is great in Minnesota? You know, one of the things living in Oklahoma, we talk about the outdoors here and, and it is great, but you know, the combination of lakes and forests in, in northern Minnesota, it's gorgeous. Now, you got to get used to the weather because it gets pretty extreme. It's hot and humid in the summer. The springs and falls are absolutely gorgeous and the winter can be pretty brutal. But, you know, if you live there, you adjust and you get used to it. But oh, a wonderful place, good people. It was a good place to grow up. When I was in high school, I was a janitor at the high school I attended, uh, which is <laughs> a challenge at times. And in other ways, it was really helpful because you got to really understand how the place worked. And I had a lot of respect for the people who worked in the cafeteria because I would get there early and they had already been there for a while. And that is a, that is a life that, uh, that that's not an easy, your, your parents' professions, neither one of those were easy. But what was it like having your mom be a cook at the high school? You know, luckily, as you said, it was a, a pretty engaging job. It was a lot of hard work and a lot of time. So she really didn't notice much of what I was doing. So she wasn't <laughs> too involved in uh, what was happening. But I, I will say I agree with you. With, with both of my parents in that kind of occupation, I learned hard work. I heard a lot about it. And and there were times my dad made sure I learned how to, how to work hard. And when I was in college, when I graduated from high school, started college, I had the opportunity to work for a couple of contractor firms. And I was a laborer during many of my college years, which was great because they paid really well. So I could pay for school, but in the same breath, you know, I would spend, there were a couple of summers I spent most of my time on the end of a jackhammer taking out concrete. I can tell you that now in my career, I much prefer putting it down than taking it out. It was a lot of hard work and hot and dusty and all those things. Well, that's great. So you you earn your way through high school and, and, and then on to college, and then you start making your way through college. When did you get on the path that you would say had helped lead you to where you are now? You know, I went to uh, the University of Minnesota mainly because that's what I could afford. It was close to home, so I could start out as a commuter student. Started in architecture, but um, realized I wasn't artistic enough to be in architecture. So I had to find something else. And uh, my brother, who was quite a bit older than me, and I were sitting down talking about school. And, and we had one of those class schedules and all of the descriptions of different programs that were out there. And I landed on the civil engineering program related to construction. I knew that. I like to see things being built somewhat attached to architecture. So I went into that and, you know, I was a pretty good engineer coming out of school, although I'm probably not as detailed a person as I need to be. So as I was in my industry, designing projects and being involved, I realized, you know, I'm good at this, but I'm not, not great. And then those two mentors that I mentioned, as I watched them as managers and, and leaders, at one point I decided, you know what, I think that's a direction that I want to go. And they were very encouraging. In fact, the one who would follow up on, you know, how I was doing in school encouraged me to go get an MBA. So I, I did an MBA program at night while I was working for that company. And that really kind of steered me in the direction of management and, and leadership. 
You know, when I talk to leaders about uh, their lives and, and we get to that deeper level, I, I know very few leaders where, if any, where the path was just as it was direct. It was from point A to point B. There, there is usually so much more that goes into that. And so you mentioned a pivot point in your life where you thought, hey, architecture might be the thing that I want to do. And then as you got farther into that, it just, it did not resonate the way that you thought it would. And so you had to pivot. And that's a growth moment, but it can also feel like a, a bit of a failure that this was what I wanted to do and it didn't work out that way. Even if what you decided was uh, for, for the better, you know, that you, you learned from it. Looking back over your life, and I, and I ask you this because when I, when I talk to young leaders, there's this sense that failure is the great fear. And, and, and they talk about that quite openly, that the thing that they fear most is failing. But it's through that failure often that they find clarity. Looking back at your life, can you think of things that uh, felt like failures at the time, or maybe they just were flat out failures that helped you um, in the learning process to get where you are now? Oh boy, there are plenty, you know, and you're right. You know, at that point I had applied for the architecture school and they had about 250 to 300 applications that year and they accepted 50 and uh, they said, well, you can apply again next year. That wasn't what I was going to do. And I didn't have the money for that. So I had to find a different direction. So yeah, and in a sense that felt a little bit like failure. Boy, along the way, you know, there's projects that I've done when I was an engineer that, you know, you mess up on and you go, okay, I just learned a lesson about that. I think one of the biggest struggles along the way is, is the people struggles that you have as a manager and a leader. And I tend to struggle with the idea of how do I, a person that works for me who might have really strong skills and be really talented at what they do, but then don't necessarily have the values that that we want in a, in a business or I want working for me. And, and, you know, you try to take the time to help them see that and realize it. And probably one of the biggest challenges I've, I've had and failures is waiting too long sometimes in those decisions because it can impact your organization, your team, uh, other people and relationships quite a bit. Those are the failures that I find are, are the toughest to deal with and to, to really find that balance between working with people, giving them time to really grow and, and move into a position that is of value, but not waiting too long before there's damage done. Those are the types of failures that I still struggle with. You know, I appreciate you bringing that up because one of the things that I've been told by more experienced leaders than me, and then I've seen in my own life as a leader, is what you're describing, is that tension between trying to develop the individual while also protecting the team. And I... Um, I remember talking to someone who means a lot to me, someone who I had a chance to work with on some different occasions, a man named General Tommy Franks, who led our troops into Iraq and Afghanistan. And there was this discussion and we were you know, talking about the challenges of leadership and making hard choices and all. And he said something that really impacted me. He said, you know, I think that one of the greatest challenges that leaders face is that they at some point are placed in a position where they have to look at what's best for the team, not what's best for the individual. And in that moment, I have to make the hard call on what's best for the team when it may not be what I would prefer for the individual. In that moment is one of those moments that every leader understands. 
where you are having these conflicting values, the value of I don't want to give up on this individual while I'm also with having the, the, the value collision of, but I also have to protect the team and the culture we're trying to create. And it's that, ter- it's that turmoil that every leader understands who's been in that spot. And I appreciate that you wrestle with it. But that idea of values, your company is one that is recognized <laughs> by uh, both within your industry and, and by people outside of your industry because of their values. How do you communicate those values to your team? It is, uh, it's a constant battle to do that. Um, obviously, you, you know, we all train people and that's part of it. So you're, you're constantly talking about values through your training, through the communications that you send out, whether that's newsletters or I do a weekly video update now since pandemic has started various ways of doing that but then something we really started just a couple of years ago that i think is having a a really good impact on driving the values through is what we call our rockstar program and if i were to pick up one of the stones i have on my desk it's got delisi on one side and a rock star on the on the other and then our managers also out in the field have been given this opportunity to say when you see someone who has done something that fits our values or has gone over and above what they need to do you know rock star uh, recognition give them a gift card typically i get a list now of those folks and send them a thank you card so that's something that we're really trying to do now is recognize those people who are showing values who are really working towards those values. But it's a constant communication and and just a constant effort and energy. The other is to make sure that we as leaders are are following it. You know, when I came into this role, one of the things that I really wanted to drive was safety. We had a a, a pretty good safety program. Our company thought it was a lot better than, than what it truly was. And so I knew that we could get better. And so part of that was to really start to drive a safety communication, making what we call now safety a personal value for every employee. Well, that means that I've got to make sure that every time I'm on a site, every time I'm talking to someone, safety is mingled into that communication. And I've done all of the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm a good example on, on that value of safety. So it's, it's all those things wrapped up. The tough part is, is, you know, it takes a lot of energy to make sure that you're doing that. And, and sometimes we just forget and, and, you know, you're held up as an example and it's easy to slip or to forget or do something that you didn't really plan on doing. So. You know, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the humility uh, about it and I appreciate the commitment to it. And I would say that to leaders that um, <laughs> if you will talk to people who've been in leadership positions for a long time, they would say it again and again and again. You have to be clear about who you want to be. That it is something that is just a constant thing that's a part of your life. Because if people don't know who you are, then there's this uncertainty in, in, in challenging times of you know what are those values. So our company gets hired by organizations quite often to work with them on their vision and values. And one of the things we try to get across is that the vision mission purpose, which are all different, but similar, those things are typically aspirational, that that is where you're trying to go. But the values tend not to be that way, that the values are really an echo of what has happened in the past. So when an organization says our values are these and they're not, it undermines everything. 
And so what we often will do is do something, we have a cultural analysis or whatever it is, and we go back and we ask, what are the things that you're willing to sacrifice for? What, what are the things that this value would mean that you would, uh, you know, die on that hill, so to speak? When you think of the values that have been a part of Delisi over the years, what are some of those that you think that that's something that is so important? It, 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 safety is one of those. Are there others? Yeah, yeah, there are. Um, we like to think that we have some standards. I'm going to make. A, I'm going to have a quote here from Roger Delisi, if I can remember it. In 2001, when Roger Delisi, the previous owner who owned all of our stock, when he passed away in 2002, he sent a letter in 2001 to all the employees. And in that letter, he said, each of you can help keep the company in a strong competitive position by doing everything you can to improve our safety, productivity, and efficiency. And this is what's important. Without compromising our standards, we must conduct ourselves for the betterment of the community, regardless of what others might do. He said, if we do those things, we would remain an independent company, a strong company, well into the future. So, you know, he knew at that time, and we know today that there are certain standards that we hold ourselves to. <laughs> I always get nervous because uh, I don't know what competitors might be listening. We've got plenty of competitors in the state. Um, clean trucks, uh, some of the environmental standards that we hold ourselves to as a value. Um, various ways that we operate are, are really important to us and sometimes put us at a disadvantage. But those are the values that we hold ourselves to and, and we continue to believe that if we do that, that we will always be successful going forward. So yeah, sometimes those values are challenging. Mr. DeLisi, when he passed, uh, he created a few things that I find fascinating that reflected his values into the future. So that even though he had passed, his influence continues to impact lives. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that followed um, after he had passed away, that uh, things that he had done to help open doors of opportunity for other people? When he was towards the end of his life, he was involved. He passed away at the age of 86. And I, I never actually got to meet uh, Roger DeLisi. I started in 2001 and he was never in the office at that point. He had, he had determined that the company wasn't going to be able to be maintained independent because of the tax issues that were going to come at his death because he owned all the business personally. He looked at selling the business, decided he didn't want to do that. So what he did was came up with a plan with a, a large group of attorneys and tax folks and put together a plan where all of the stock, except for a really small portion that sits on the side as voting stock, all of the stock was put into a foundation. And that foundation then had to donate all the stock out to get it into you know, uh, charitable organizations. Where it was donated was three universities, OU, KSU, and uh, OSU. And what that is used for, we have a foundation at each of those schools then, and our purpose is to really grow the number of engineering graduates. That's what we decided to do. Grow the number of engineering graduates at each of those schools. Much of the money goes into scholarships, goes into some programs like bridge programs in the summertime for those who need extra help coming into college. Uh, goes into some lab work, some building stuff, but mainly it's scholarships. So that's one of the opportunities he really gave is we get to impact the communities around us now through that giving of buying that stock back every year and they use the cash 
that they get for that. We retired that stock. And then the other opportunity that's set up is we have a profit sharing plan. And every employee of our company, uh, as long as the company's doing well, will get stock and cash into a profit sharing plan that's set up for their retirement. And so that's another opportunity for them to share in the business, to, to grow their wealth, I'll say, through that profit sharing plan that, that he approved and set up. So we get to impact communities in a lot of different ways. It's, it's, it's really pretty satisfying, although it's also very challenging from a business perspective to, to support all that, but pretty exciting the things that we get to do. No, I appreciate the the honesty because there, there are a lot of people who would talk about those things and it's all just great and it's all perfect and whatever. And the reality is those decisions may make life better, but it requires your organization to think differently. And I, and I appreciate the uh, the honesty there. When you think about those uh, those leaders, let's say that the engineers are going to college and uh, the people who are working in your organization and, and then beyond, uh, you interact with a lot of leaders that are outside of your own industry. When you think about leaders that are emerging, what would you say from your perspective would be the biggest challenge facing leaders today? If, if you could just say, you know, this is kind of the, a theme that you would want leaders to be contemplating. You know, it's a great question because there's so many things you can say. I, I do get to talk to um, many of those engineering students because of our program. So I'm in quite often talking to them, listening to them, getting asked questions. And I think, you know, there's so many challenges for, for young folks, but I, I get so energized by young engineers coming out. They're sharp and excited. And I kind of forgot what that was like, you know, when you're 59 years old. But one of the things that I see is just a lack of patience in moving forward and where they're going to end up and you know how do I get that next position and how do I get promoted to your job I, you know I get asked that quite often how do I become president of your company or a company well you know I've only been doing this for nine years so it took me a while to get to this spot patience and knowing that it's not just what you do it's what you're able to get done through people that is going to get you to that that next level that you want to get to and and that's something that I think everybody needs to realize. And then the other is, you know, I came out of college and I graduated in 1984 and there weren't a lot of jobs available. There was a recession going on. Civil engineers weren't in high demand. I didn't choose to crush rock and mix concrete for a living. It was really the only job offer I got. But one of the things I realized is as I've gotten into a job in, in, in an industry that you can build some passion and really enjoy what you do. And it's not necessarily looking for the perfect job. It's getting in there and working hard and just enjoying what you do and the impact you can have. That's a message I also try to pass along when I'm talking to those young folks. Again, I appreciate you not holding back on, on this because I, I remember having a discussion with someone that I uh, had become friends with who financially is the most successful person that I, I'm friends with. He's a multi-billionaire. And I don't mean that as a name drop. I mean that because when that person talks about business, you know, you people want to know what they think. And I was so surprised when he said, you know, the thing that we actually do here is not my passion. This was the, an opportunity for us to be able to make a difference and, and all of that. But he said almost the exact same thing that you're saying, that it's not the perfect job in the sense of uh, it has to be this, this, or this. For some people it is, but it's really about how can I impact other people's lives in the role that I'm in? 
And, and I say that because I think it's very rare in the, in the whole of human history to be in a time in which you actually get to think about what do I want to do? And I think about how many people who have gone before us who were in jobs they did not love because they were trying to take care of and provide for the people that they did love. And I have a ton of respect for that because that kind of person to me, that's at the heart of character. And I appreciate you, you, you saying that of it may not be the boutique job that people are talking about, but you can make a world of difference anywhere you are by being intentional. And I appreciate uh, very much. And, and for those who are not from our area, there are not companies that are more respected than Delisi. And you think about the field that you're in and what you do, that would not be something that people would just say is a natural fit. And I love the fact that you uh, think that way. For those who are going into leadership now, it's kind of along the, the same line. What advice would you give them now that they're making that transition into leadership, which often is that change uh, moving from being the, 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 uh, the person that's in the spotlight all the time to now being in a leadership role where you might be doing more of the spotlighting? What would you say to somebody about moving into leadership um, for the first time? I think there was an MBA program that I, my first real exposure to leadership, and I'm kind of a student of leadership now, but um, so this would have been back in the early 90s. It was a leadership class I took, and we read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Old book, but still has a lot of value. But one of the things that came out of that, it was um, for me to really think about why do I want to be a leader and, and what's my purpose in that. And I think that's something that everybody needs to wrestle with. I see it a little bit in some of our leaders and uh, I've asked a few of them, you know, why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want my job? And I don't ask them to give me the answer, but I want them to think about it because, you know, I think you're a better leader if you're thinking about folks and the impact that you can have on them rather than, you know, what am I going to get those benefits out of it? Patrick Lencioni just happened to come up with a book around that here recently that kind of resonates as well. But what's your why? And, and there's a, a lot of that being talked about now, but I think it's important. And it's important not just for the why of the business, but the why of the person as well. At that point in time, my, my why became, how do I impact people positively through the relationships that I develop? And if I can tell a, go off and tell a little story, I last year was doing meetings with small groups throughout our organization, and I called them at-the-helm meetings, which was kind of fun. I had a story that came from one of our supervisors, which touched me a lot and, and made me realize even in a business that crushes rock and mixes concrete, you can have an impact. That supervisor said that before he came to our company, he was not in the best place. He was abusing alcohol. He'd been in jail. He was struggling with relationships. And when he came to our business, he started to see the values that our supervisors talked about and tried to to emulate and then some of the training and things that I would talk about and the things that we would do and said it impacted him so much that it changed his life and even his wife now says he's a different person than when he started with Delisi and he, he kind of stepped back and go hmm never thought crushing rock and he works at one of our quarries he's now a supervisor he started out as an hourly employee never thought working at a quarry could impact someone's life in that way but it's that's pretty cool pretty cool I, again, thank you for sharing the real stuff because those moments for a leader, that's everything. And just because someone hasn't said it to you doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. But every once in a while, somebody will say it. 
And in that moment, it is so energizing to realize that the sacrifices that you've made, because a lot of people look at the role that you might be in or, or, or whatever, and they'll, and they'll think, well, I want to be successful. I want to have money. I want to have this, this, or this. What they don't understand is the, the sacrifice, the wear and tear that goes along with it. And, and I know it's hard to agree with me <laughs> when I'm talking about you, but the, the idea is that the, um, that fades, the, 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 uh, the stuff, it fades quickly. And then you have that why question again, but yes, but why do you want to do this? And I love that you asked that question and I love that you allow people to ponder it without being put on the spot. That's good stuff. So down that line in our, my last question, and I so appreciate your time. I know you're just incredibly busy and you've got you know, the, the, the size of a, of a town, uh, the number of people who work um, in your organization and, and your, your time is extremely valuable. And so thank you so much for this today. But if you were looking at resources that you would recommend that have been helpful to you, and I'm not, it, it, what you might say right now could be just a, a very uh, academic answer and that would be great. But what I'm really looking for here is practically, really, what are some resources that you would recommend to help people who want to become a better leader? And that resource might be even finding people to talk to. It doesn't have to be like a specific book or, or, or very well, maybe you've already mentioned two that are helpful. It, you know, um, this is one you think about. And for me, if, if I look back on why I am where I am and how I got here, it's the mentors. And again, I didn't necessarily ask for them, but I listened once they were ready to put some energy into me and there were others along the way, I was ready to listen and take that feedback and learn from them. So that's, that's to me, one of the big things is, is to find some people around you, peers, bosses who will pour into you and, and help you. The other is to remember that it's experience. And I get pushback on this quite often from especially some of our younger workforce. It's experience that grows you. Uh, it's the challenges that make you who you are, and you have to look for those. My my career hasn't been a straight path uphill. Um, there was someone, I, I can't remember who it was, there was someone who I was talking to about how you develop over time, and instead of the career ladder, he called it the rock wall, you know, because sometimes to get up that rock wall, you have to go sideways. Even once in a while, you might have to go down to get back up. And that's been a large part of my career, but along the way, I've had lots of opportunities, challenges and experiences to learn a lot about the business and a lot about people. And so I think that those who are coming up have to look for those challenges and those experiences and not avoid them um, because sometimes you know they're gonna be tough when you walk into them. Well, Mark, you are definitely a rock star. And so I uh, appreciate uh, how you reward people for that. And uh, I love that. <laughs> if people want to be a part of Delisi, if they're interested in, you know, a career in a place like that, I don't know if you're hiring right now or not, but if, if they're looking for an opportunity to connect with Delisi, how, how do they do that? Well, the best way is probably Delisi.com. We have uh, that site's continually being upgraded and you can get into our jobs that are available on Delisi.com. We are hiring. You know, we're always typically adding someone somewhere. Some of the work that we have is hard for some of that hourly workforce. So we're always looking for those folks who are ready to get into a business and learn and, and come along. But that's the best place to start. Well, if you are driven by uh, some of the, the quotes that 
It came from Mr. DeLisi before his passing. If you, um, if you're not afraid of hard work and, and want to get an opportunity to improve who you are through your work, through uh, being a part of a culture that cares about you, then I do hope you'll check out Delisi, D-O-L-E-S-E.com and learn more about them. Uh, thank you, Mark, for being a part of the show today. For those of you who are listening in, I hope you understand that you're a part of a community of people who want to see you thrive. The world needs people who are willing to lead, who are willing to say, I want the ball. Not for self-promotion or self-gain, because that is a very temporary motivator. I'm talking about you care about people. You want to see life be elevated. You want to make life better for people. Those leaders we desperately need, so don't give up. And, and, and as Marcus said, there's no easy way to get to those places, but it is definitely worth it. So thank you for being a part of the Strata Leadership Show today. It, it is the responsibility of leaders to set the pace, to set the tone. So as you take on today, make sure you're the one setting the pace and setting the tone and making life better. Have a great day.